Yeah, it's a bit awkward to recap as well. Let's move cuddly Tom Baker out of the way. <clears throat> so, so cuddly. Oh, so cuddly. You ready to rock? He used to be a monk. Yes. Monks are cuddly. Monks are cool. Anyway. Hello, Red. Glad you, now. I'm glad you got that out of the way. Vocal. Yeah, practice. We're just going to start before I bust it in. I was just opening my mouth to say something profound. Alright then. Something along the lines of. Hello, everyone. time. <laughs> comedy gold! You know the secret of good comedy is timing. Okay then. <laughs> Is that why we, we're, we're bad? Yes, that's, yeah. that's why we're dreadful at, at comedy. <clears throat> so go on then. Child beating really against the law all the time. Only in certain states. We don't have states. Well, you seem to be confused as to where you live. Is this because <laughs> of all the beatings? Well, yeah. Yes. We have four different parts of the UK. Four. Well, it's not like remembering all fifty states. I suppose it's all right down Beach Hill. No, it isn't. <laughs> it really isn't. You don't go there at dark. A56-7W, classified top secret subject is... Hey kids, comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Welcome to this, the final part in our trilogy of epic blockbusters. Well. Do you not think it's been epic blockbusters? No. Secret Wars. I, I was going to, I just suddenly was going to go into Oolong Kalufid's trilogy of philosophical blockbusters. Okay. Because <laughs> that just pops into my head every now and again. Yes, uh, we're wrapping up the Secret Wars tonight, but first a couple of bits of business. Bits of business. That we need to attend to. First of all, thank you Mr. Ben Rush. Publicly thank Mr. Ben Rush. Thank you, Ben Rush. Not you, me. Because he sent me a digital copy of Cyborg by Martin so Kane. you told yourself to publicly thank I Ben I told Rush. myself to publicly thank Ben, yes. Right. Thank you, Ben. Looking forward to reading that. What I still it? want the British one. What is it? It's the novel that inspired the television show, The Six Million Dollar Man. Okay. Looking forward so to reading that. So what inspired the comic, The Bionic Man? The television show, The Six Million Dollar Man, but which was says... inspired by the novel Cyborg but by Martin Kane. It says based on a story by Kevin Smith. Yeah, he wrote the script that was going to be a film that was never made. So the comic turned based that a comic. on the film that was never made. That yes. was based on the TV show that was based yes. on the novel. Yes. All right, then. I'm glad you're following this. Okay. It was all based on toys. No, the toys came later. I'm just being facetious. Right. Uh, speaking of the Six Million Dollar Man, in the last show that you all heard, which was two weeks ago, by my reckoning, it's wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, I said that I'd just spent two and a half hours talking about the Six Million Dollar Man with Scott Gardner on Two True Freaks. And I said I would let you know when he was going to put it up. Well, because he's a podcasting Bionic Man, it went up the same day that we recorded it. <laughs> All right, yeah. 
So it's already up there. So go on the feed and look for the Back to the Bins bits because he put it under the Back to the Bins imprint and we're on there talking about the $6 million man for two hours and a jolly fine conversation it was too. She spoke about it for two hours. Two and a half. We don't go on for that long. No, but uh, that's what happens when I get to talk to somebody intelligent and witty and urbane and I'm not saddled with you. Oh, don't cry. Do your own damn podcast. <laughs> You're not my dad anymore. Oh, I leave. Uh, secondly... Go upstairs and listen to Depeche Mode. Okay. I want to thank Lou Giaconetti, who sent that. me a Han Solo action figure. Oh, is that where you got it from? Yes. Scumbuggery, I want that. Do you? Yeah. Well, it's mine. It will all be yours one day. One day. But alas, that would mean that I am dead. Comics are a dad. <laughs> Thank you very much for, for making the choice that you made. I'll just go off and throw myself off a cliff now, should I? Well, at least then I'll be uh, more wittier and intelligent than you. That's not hard. And finally, I wish to say, uh, me and Mr. Stephen Lacey, or rather Stephen does all the heavy lifting, launched Fantasticast on the 1st of January. The first episode is up already. The second episode is going up this week, I think, as we record this. Uh, it's received really good notices. Okay. I'm quite impressed with it, given that we make it up as we go along. <laughs> episode 7 is with another guy. Are you still doing that? Yes. Are you? Yes. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Because you didn't show up for your episode. I didn't know I was doing it. You said that you'd do it! I said I'd be interested. Oh, you know. I, I want to do Galactus. Doesn't everybody? What? <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, having Rat done all those, yes, having, yes, equipment, yes, having done all those little bits of introductions and thank yous and other blurb for other things, we will continue discussing the Secret Wars issue nine of which came out on the twenty fifth of September, nineteen eighty four. A fantastic year, was it? Nineteen eighty four. What happened? Statue of the Search for Spot came out. Don't know if that counts as being excellent. The Falklands War finished, I think, in nineteen eighty four, didn't it? Did it? Yeah, didn't it finish in? Didn't it finish the day before my birthday? Didn't it finish June fourteenth, nineteen eighty four? Was that nineteen eighty two? Well, it may have been eighty two. I may be mixing up my dates, which you know doesn't. Anyway, we're not doing the Falklands podcast. <laughs> we're doing a comic book podcast On and Secret Wars Nine had a cover by dead. Mike Zek and Bob McLeod. I'm just ignoring you. Of the heroes attacking <laughs> oh, oh. Galactus. Funnily enough. Funnily enough. I'm used to that. Yeah. Well, you know, fine for what it is. What did you think of the cover, Michael? The cover. Yes. You haven't even looked at it before now, have you? Well, I've looked at it. It's a decent It piece does of its cover. job, doesn't yeah. it? It's all our heroes attacking Galactus. It's fine. He's it's far right. in the distance. Yes. He looks like he's filming. Small, far away. It's like he's filming a YMCA video. Why? Oh, he's doing the Y, isn't he? <laughs> yes, very good. There he is, very good. Um, is he the cowboy? Uh, probably, with that hat. Uh, the UK reprint spread this over three issues. Uh, 18, 19 and 20. 18 had a newly commissioned cover of Nightcrawler bumping on a big blue and white ball that is attacking Professor X, Cyclops and Wolverine. Issue 19 has a photo cover of Zoids. Yes, Zoids. In my Secret Wars comic, Zoids. Zoids, for those that care, and I number myself amongst those that don't, was a Japanese toy kit series that was turned into a UK comic. Some of the early stories were written by some bloke named Grant Morrison. Uh, there was also a free poster of the Zoids in this issue. Excellent. Never Could really barely wait to pull that out and have it adorn my walls <laughs> next to my photos. When was this? 1984. I can't remember what I had photos of on my wall in 19... I probably had a Star Wars poster up. <laughs> issue 20... 
now called Secret Wars, featuring Zoids. Well, two comics based on toys. Mm. Transformers next issue. Yes, uh, Transformers does show up at some point, I think. Oh, really? Later on in the run. Um, where was I? Oh, yes. Issue 20, as I was saying, reformatted the US cover but flopped it so that Cap was attacking from the left instead of the right and added a speech balloon, let's get Galactus, which, as inspiring leadership speeches go, isn't aptly up there with the St. Crispin's Day speech, is it? <laughs> the fewer the men, the greater the honour. Let's get Galactus! <laughs> mm. Let's hit him where it hurts, boys. <laughs> I say, it's a jolly good show. <laughs> Issue 19 saw the comic rise in price from 27 pence to 30 pence. A whole 3p. A whole 3p. That's nothing compared to the current 3.99. No, that's true. The American editions actually cost 50 UK pennies, which was quite a lot given that they only cost 75 US cents. Yeah. I don't know what they're playing at, though. I think they were just gouging us because it was a limited series. But this didn't get a newsstand release over here anywhere. So One whole Canadian it dollar. It didn't matter. Assault on Galactus was written by Jim Shooter. Also known as Let's Get Galactus. <laughs> Assault on Precinct Galactus. Uh, it was penciled and inked by Mike Zeck and John Beatit, Joe Rosen lettered, Christy Shield coloured, and Tom DeFalco edited. Back to the Galactus. Battlestar Galactus. Colossus frets that Galactus has begun to devour the planet. He proclaims his love for Zarge, again, and makes himself metallic before walking out to face the danger. Already facing that danger, the X-Men try to tackle Galactus, but because he's read the rest of the series and knows how useless they are, he pays them no never mind. Fed up with being ignored, Cyclops opens up with the full force of his optic blasts. Back at Doom Base, Team Hero witness an explosion that looks like the X-Men have gone for a dirt nap and take off to help. This being a Marvel book, the heroes bicker amongst themselves and are a bit self-pitying for five whole pages before being blasted out of the sky by one of Galactus's bio-tendrils that will drain the planet. They land on Colossus, but instead of thanking him for cushioning their fall, Team Hero simply tell him to man up. It's do or die. Hey, I've died twice. Colossus ignores him. (laughs) He must pay for trying to eat us all. A knife or fork. Hey, I've got a spoon. Colossus ignores him, similarly in the way that I'm ignoring Michael, and goes looking for the X-Men. To no one's surprise, they're still alive, thanks to Magneto, and they head back to town. Cap orders an attack on Galactus, but Reed says, No! The man from Reed, he says no! Reed says if they let Galactus destroy the planet, he will ask the Beyonder to cure him of his cosmic hunger. Millions would have died, will be saved. If the Beyonder reneges on the deal, Galactus will attack him and be killed. Either way, the universe wins. It means the occupants of this planet will die, but it's worth it for the greater good. Before Team Hero can decide if Reed is extremely noble or as mad as a bag of cats, he disappears along with the top half of the mountain, including Galactus and his cooker. Team Hero heads back to town and meet the X-Men, when Reed reappears having had tea with Galactus. He says he showed him Sue and his son Franklin, and he's more confused than ever about what it all means. Cap decides to fight, and whilst he won't force anyone to join him, he won't just stand around and do nothing. Teaming up with the X-Men, they attack. Even Reed, whose desire to see his new baby apparently outweighs millions of other beings who will be killed by Galactus. Needs the many, eh, Reed? Anyway, Team Hero destroys Galactus' cooker, but Reed says he doesn't need it and he's going to chow down on planet patchwork anyway. Doom, meanwhile, busts out of his maximum security stockade with the minimum of fuss and frees Claw. He dissects him to see what makes him tick and makes lenses that will siphon the power of Galactus into his own body, making him the supreme power in the galaxy. Do you want to do your notes first, in as I just 
talked about that all the way. Alright, then. Okay. Colossus seems to be rocking the Flex Mentella look for the first few pages. Topless and wearing his uh, little trunks. Uh, page 213, panel 3, Rogue's famous last words. Which were what? Oof. I'm dead. <laughs> so a famous last word is oof. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Page 215, panel 5. Hulk also gained whininess when he got intelligent. Yes. Well, he becomes a proper Marvel hero, doesn't he? Well. Oh, oh everyone's whoa, against me. Tied. Yes, it's just not for... Page 218, panel 2. Oh, word the Spider-Man's made his new costume shrink to be shorts and t-shirts. Yeah, that poem right there. Yeah. Created another action, a variant action figure. Well, actually, we will be discussing the action figures later on. Ah. Uh, so we will, we will come to that. How do you like that. how he's got little socks? Do you like his little socks? Oh, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, he doesn't want to go barefoot, apparently. <laughs> Some of that. <laughs> doesn't want to get a Baruka, obviously. <laughs> Page 222, panel 2. Hmm. Um, when Reed says that when Galactus will be cured of his hunger. Yes. Maybe Galactus wishes just to eat every planet out, though. Oh, not really. You don't want to eat everything. No, actually, you do, don't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. Moving on. <laughs> Page 226, panel 3. Yes. Galactus is a big, scary robot alien who eats planets. He's not a robot! Robot alien? He's not a robot. An android? He's not a robot. Well, what is he, then? He's a life form. He's a person in lots of armour. Yeah, he's just wearing a suit, dude. Okay, then a big alien who eats planets and wields the power cosmic. Yes. I'm sure an arrow could take him down, Hawkeye. <laughs> no, no, guys, making us up some new arrows. Yeah. Maybe if he gets him right between the eyes. Making another arrow there, Hawkeye. Yeah, this one's got Galactus' name on it. Does it look sure big enough to have Galactus' name on it? Galactus <laughs> is quite a long name well. to carve into an arrow. See, I thought the whole Colossus Zarge thing was, was, really, was really overplayed. Uh, this did spin out into the X-Books where Colossus and Kitty Pride split up a couple of issues after they came back from the Secret Wars. But I just really don't buy this relationship in any way whatsoever. The human torch is having a holiday fling. Mm. So I buy that. He doesn't care. He's just, hey, I'm on holiday. There's a chick. I will do that chick. I will harass that chick. I will do drugs with the chick. But then I'm going to go home and forget all about her. I buy that. Home, I'll give her a phone call. Tell him to go to the doctor's. It's a long phone call. Wow. Isn't it? Let's be honest. He probably just wouldn't care. Mm. He'd probably just leave. Um, he's not declaring undying love for her or anything. But Colossus seems to want to spend the rest of his life with her. Like she's the first girl he's ever met that looked twice at him. It's cack. Uh, I love page 215. Panel 3, which I think is page, what, 4 or 5 of this one? 2, 3, 4, page 5 of the actual issue, if you're following along in the dual issues. Thor speak. Yeah. Again, we love the Thor speak. The gloom of Niflheim hangs in the air about you. <laughs> That's quality, that, isn't it? The gloom it sounds of like, Niflheim. Sounds like a tissue. It does. Name Niflheim. If you've got the sniffles, then it's time for some niffle. Well, my favourite thing is no one ever turns around to him and says, What? <laughs> Everyone understands what he's saying. No, they just smile and nod. Oh, yeah, yeah, Thor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Google Translate. Page 216. Thor, Hulk and Spider-Man found a machine that makes clothes. Right? Yeah. Nobody told Ben Grimm. Well, He's still hanging around in his shorts. I'm surprised it was the guys and not the women. <laughs> well, the women's costumes conveniently don't seem to have been ripped. Conveniently. It's only all the men who seem to be wandering around not worrying very doing much. Doing the kirk. Yeah. You know, that could be it. it could be deliberately uh, ripping their suits so that they look cool. Uh, Iron Man's becoming a bit of a megalomaniac now, isn't he? 
Yeah. Uh, the top three panels of page 217. Don't matter as long as I got this armor. I'm one bad dude. As soon as that fight starts, I'll show him James Rhodes is Iron Man now and forever. He's getting a bit carried away, isn't he? I'm a bad villain farmer. Yes. Bad I'm bad your ass. <laughs> Chef. <laughs> um... Uh, I haven't read no that's Flash I haven't read Iron Man around this time so I don't know how all this played out I I, I didn't think Rhodey was that much of a douche to be honest well maybe he isn't normally but he gets the Iron Man armor he's way no no, I'm just suspecting that Jim Shooter's writing him out of character as well speaking of out of character I've given up pondering imponderables Spider-Man says to read Richards on page 218 Aren't you a scientist, Spider-Man? Yeah. Isn't it kind of like a scientist's job... To ponder the imponderables. To ponder imponderables, yes. That is... He's, he's so out of character well, in this story in places, isn't he? Yeah. yeah just, Spider-Man would have been loving this. Mm. It'd have been made up with it. It'd have been the one going, oh, we need to analyse that. No, let's have a look at that. But no. Look, soil. Yes, we need to take soil samples. There's a, there's a teacher at my school who's got a PhD in soil. Has he? Yeah. I hope he cleans it off. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm here all week. Tip your waiters, eat the veal. Uh, Colossus is so enamoured of Zarge that when it looks like the X-Men are injured, he doesn't even bother checking if they're alive. Oh, no. He's not bothered, is he? Colossus is crap in this story as well. Well... Doom talks to himself all the time because he's narrating everything he does for posterity. It says so here, page 225. Claw says to him, you narrate your life as you go along, don't you? Are you being taped? And he says, why, yes. I like you. Every utterance of... Did you like him? Every utterance of Doom must be recorded for posterity. Every utterance do. Crichton, not Crichton. What am I on about? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Was that Crichton? (laughs) Ever you narrate your life as you go along, sir. Huh? <laughs> oh, dear me. Uh, Reed disappears on page 222. And he returns on page 227. Tea with Galactus oh, yeah. occurred within those few pages. This Nowadays, this would be a six-issue miniseries, wouldn't it? Yeah. Bendis would milk that out with art by Michael Gaydos. And it would consist of lots of repeated panels on six-panel grids in which Galactus and Reed have a bit of a chat. <laughs> That's so totally true. Mm. You know, when they repeat the panels like that, yeah. do you think the um, the shopkeeper would salt when you're buying the comic if you tried to pay for another comic with the same pound? Well, I only got half my money's worth out of that comic because yeah. only half of it was drawn. He just used a, a photocopy for Didn't the rest of it. Didn't joke about that in Invincible? Did they? Where he's like, uh, oh, yes, these they panels did. Just repeat it. Yes, <laughs> they did do a joke about that in Invincible. Uh, Ben's loyalty to Reed is really quite touching and very well handled. The dialogue between him and Reed is funny, as well as demonstrating the bond between the two of them, which is completely different from the early days of Fantastic Four. All right, then. I'm just plugging Fantasticast again. Let me get this straight. All right? All right. Galactus has spent the last four or five issues constructing the device that will enable him to devour the planet that yeah. Team Hero destroy. Yeah. Only to have Reed say, well, Galactus doesn't need it anyway. Yeah. What a waste of time. It's like going to the chippy for a bag of chips to bring them home to put them on a plate to get out a knife and fork when you could have eaten them on the way home. What's the point? Well, don't you do that. Oh, yes. <laughs> but don't ruin my, my <laughs> carefully thought out analogy. It's, well, Which isn't carefully thought no. out in any way. Moving swiftly on to issue number 10, uh, which had an absolutely awesome cover. 
of doom, his armour beaten and battered, his body covered in scars and bleeding wounds, brought down on one knee whilst Kirby crackle emanates from each fist. He's down but not out, spoiling for a fight. Awesome! It looks very burny-ish. Well, we've said before, Zach Sarton, this looks a bit burn. That could be, because the cover's by Mike Zek and Terry Austin. So Terry Austin automatically gives it a, a vaguely burn look. Uh, it came out on the 24th of October 1984 in America. Best cover of the series by far. Alright. I think. What do you think? Is that alright? It's good. Good. Oh, <laughs> mix it up a bit. Excellent. Uh, the UK Secret Wars and Zoids, don't forget Zoids, <laughs> weekly split this into thirds again over issues 21, 22 and 23 from the 23rd, 30th of November and the 7th of December 1985. 21 had a new cover of Cap, Reed and Wolverine in skeletal vision fighting against Galactus's pressure cooker. 22 featured the US cover, reformatted and re-lettered slightly. And 22, oh sorry, and 23 had a really boring cover of Hawkeye, Cap, Rogue and Wolverine looking at a floating doom map. Not one of the best. A, float, a doom mask just floating. Yes, just a doom mask floating. It was done much better as the cover of issue of Fantastic Four around this time, okay. where Doom's mask attacks the Fantastic Four, and it was a photo cover. It was actual photograph of Doom's mask. Really cool cover. Okay. Because I mean, it's something I've, I don't think I've mentioned in this. Doom's dead at this point in Marvel Comics continuity. So why is he here? Exactly. Then? So they had to explain that later on in an issue of the Fantastic Four. Right. So and they do. Well, they explain that? that the Beyonder plucked him from a moment in time, just before he died. Uh, oh. No, it was afterwards. He plucked him from the fu- from Reed's future at that point. Right. So he didn't. Anyway, then. Basically, I think once again Jim Shooter didn't think this through, and then John Byrne went, "I've got to fix this," because <laughs> he is. Quite intent on fixing little continuity things like that, isn't it? Uh, the issue was called Death to the Beyonder. It's exactly the same creative team as last issue. We've established my lethargy towards repeating myself before, so we'll go straight into the story. Galactus is eating his own edifice to give him the requisite power to consume the patchwork planet. Suddenly, the awesome energies being created by Galactus are ripped away, change direction, and head towards Doom Base. Captain Marvel follows the energy source and Professor X links her mind with Reed Richards without asking so that he can see what she sees. She sees Doom imbuing himself with all of Galactus's power. Now omniscient, Doom is immediately aware of Captain Marvel and severs the connection between her and Reed. Team Hero, take off for Doom Base. At Doom Base, Doom ponders all that he is and all that he will ever be, wondering whether he should kill the heroes now. They are less than dirt. But what could the Beyonder offer the man who has everything? Only by vanquishing the Beyonder can Doom rule all. He analyzes his data on the Beyonder and creates a new suit of armor so as to sell more toys that will help defeat the Beyonder and disappears on his quest. Team Hero arrive and locate Claw, who tells them of Doom's plan to tackle, defeat, and ultimately usurp the Beyonder. As if on cue, the planet starts quaking and Reed locates Galactus floating, unconscious in space, but one of the quakes crush him under rubble. The battle raging between Doom and the Beyonder threatens to tear the planet asunder. Doom refuses to accept defeat and takes a lull in his attack to offer unlimited power to any that may help him. Magneto is tempted and almost takes the offer, but hesitates and is brought down by Hawkeye and Iron Man before Cap says that they were all tempted by Doom's offer, not just Magneto, and they may regret not taking it. 
With doom broken, the Beyonder starts to dissect this man to truly learn what, what makes a man like Doom. Whilst being torn apart in both body and mind, Doom continues to fight. As he does, the tremors start to crush Doom Base and Cap orders an evac. He rescues the members of Team Bad Guys still in Pokey, as does Wolverine, and the two have a touching moment where Wolverine acknowledges that he's a dick. As they all evacuate, a bright light appears in the sky. It holds Doom, who says the Beyonder is vanquished and the war is over. <laughs> uh, are we going to go into your incredibly dense notes for this uh, issue before uh, I talk about what I wish to talk about? Well, when you said that Doom ha- is the man who has everything and doesn't know what the Beyond will give him, yes. you know, the, the, what they sell, boxes of nothing for the man who has everything. Do they? Mm. And where can you buy boxes of nothing? I don't know, but I know Singleton got one for his birthday. He bought a box of nothing. Someone bought him a box of nothing, and it's it's um, a glass cube with a sign and saying, for the man who has everything. Nothing. Yeah. Tell him, if he wants to give me lots of money, I will give him nothing. <laughs> yeah, alright. Uh, if he's open for that... He's got my comics. We'll get them back off him. We've got his comics too. Oh, that's true. Anyway, carry on. Uh, page 239. 239, yes. Well... Which is page three of the issue for those. Jo- Johnny says that uh, it can't be Doctor Doom because they left him imprisoned at Doom Base. Mm. I'm pretty sure Captain America left him in his bedroom because he turned into a whiny teenager. He did, but he asked a couple of other people to lock him up because uh, Cap doesn't get his hands dirty with minions. Oh, no. Cap's the leader. Yeah, Cap's the captain. Lackeys. Yeah, Cap says, "Surfs, <laughs> sort out Doctor Doom." I'm going to relax because I have become mega medical. <laughs> Just like everyone else in this book. Thank you, Mr. Shooter. Even though I can't actually say megalomaniacal. Yes. <laughs> See, even then I messed it up. Megalomaniacal. maniacal. Something like that. Anyway, carry on. Uh, page 241, pound 3. Yes. Doom has a Doom Patrol moment. I, I quite liked this. To be honest, I, I quite liked it too. I, I, you did? You yeah. liked something? I thought it was. Well, those next three panels were quite wacky. Uh, yeah, Doom Becoming is pretty damned awesome. It's well realised by Mike Zed. Sure, Shooter has Doom pontificating to himself in purple prose again, but the visuals in which Doom becomes aware of everything are surrealistic, and the depiction of the power Doom now has at his command. I, I love that page. I thought that page was really good. Page 244, panel 2. Captain America goes for a quick costume change and then changes it again for the next panel. Oh, I'm sh- it's got- just a <laughs> colouring error, you pedant. Well, you would think <coughs> that in the uh, collected edition they would fix that. Well, yeah. On panel 2 of page 244, Cap's white bars on his costume below the starboard of the belt yellow. a yellow because he turns into such a pretty girl yeah so I mean it would be interesting to know if they, if they fix that for the omnibus and subsequent reprintings mm. or if that goof just stands because they couldn't be bothered fixing it well it is Secret Wars mm-hmm. uh, page 244 245 panel 1 first Xavier compares himself to Hitler mm-hmm. and now this what well when Wolverine says um what does he say? Yeah, some of the they come co- after us like the Nazis went after the Jews. Yeah, do you think Shooter had a problem with Germans or something? I don't think so. I think he's he's not as subtle at with dealing his... with the X Men 
as being a representative of all minorities, which Chris Claremont was very good at. Yeah. Claremont was very good at painting the X-Men as being whatever you wanted them to be. Um, like Brian Singer saw being a gay teenager in the X-Men, that's fine. Other people see whatever whatever minority they are yeah. is what they saw in the X-Men, and that's why it worked. Whereas he's very, Tutor here is very definitely painting that they're being persecuted, like what happened in World War II. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think Shooter's as subtle a writer as Clermont to be able to pitch it at such a level that different people get different things from it. Okay. He actually has to speak it, though. He has to actually say it. This is the metaphor that I'm going for. Whereas Clermont was always cleverer than that. Okay, or at least I thought he was when I read the X-Men. So who was a decent writer back in the day? Chris Clermont? Yeah. Oh, yes, and we will be discussing that more next week. Because well, I've only read, like, proper the X-Men Forever stuff, and that's just... Yes, but we're not doing that this week. No. Uh, I'll give you to this. The scope of this tale is pretty cosmic. I never really liked Marvel as cosmic. I didn't mind DC being cosmic because Superman would just fly off planet all the time and mm. have adventures off in space. But Marvel was a world like ours, only slightly askew. I liked Galactus showing up on our doorstep. But I wasn't really a big fan so when we went to him. What about all the Nova annihilation? I was never stuff? really a big fan of Nova. For that reason, to be honest with you. Uh, however, here I've bought into the premise, so I'm along for the ride. And Galactus has been a pretty dominant force in this story, despite spending most of it just standing around doing very little. The heroes also take over Doom Base after what happened last issue. Yeah. Do you not think they'd have renamed it? Heroes Base. Yes. <laughs> That's a bit self-aggrandizing, isn't it? <laughs> We're going to call it Hero Base because we are all heroes. Apart from Iron Man, who's turning into a bit of a douche. Yeah. And who else? And Professor X, who just seems to think that tapping into people's minds is perfectly acceptable. Well, everyone's a hero. In their own way. way. Everyone's got villains. You and you and you case. and you. And mostly, mostly me. And you. <laughs> um, I do like that Zex machinery throughout this entire issue doesn't look like a rip-off of Jack Kirby. There seems to be this tendency at Marvel that whenever you draw big scientific equipment, it has to look like it came off Kirby's drawing board. Well, that's because everyone's still kissing Kirby's ass, isn't it? Well, yes, but here Mike Zek doesn't do that. No. It doesn't look like a Kirby-ism. It looks like somebody else, which is better, because it gives the tech a better alien feel. And it doesn't it. seem like they're working, doing someone else's work. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're swiping somebody else's material. Uh, Magneto resurrects an old warship from under the rubble and powers it that he just finds no it's not it's the one that they crashed in I'll give him that this time they don't just crash oh sorry they don't just find something on the bottom of page 243 he does resurrect the ship that was brought down during the battle so give him a pass for that one Um, and he powers it under his own speed as well doesn't he Mm. Magneto's doing all this they don't get it working and after all they've seen lately, this just gets a shrug of, so what? <laughs> uh, this reminds me of people whining when they have no signal on their phone, yeah. or the internet's not working. It's like the sci-fi of our future has become obsolete and commonplace, and now we just take it for granted. Yeah. In the Marvel Universe, you would take that kind of thing for granted, wouldn't you? Oh, Magneto can lift a ship up. Big deal. Mm. I can fall off a cliff and sew myself up. Do we see that on Heroes, where people are just flying around and sulking and all that, and you were just like... I'd be really happy if I could fly. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, I thought Heroes was a bit cack after its first year. Oh, yeah. So I don't think, I don't know that I watched much more than midway through series two. Uh, Wolverine attacks Cap 
at the top of page 245, saying that he never stands up for mutants. And this just makes Wolverine come across as incredibly naive. I just want him to say, okay, when I fought Hitler in World War II, I wasn't protecting mutants, was I not? Wolverine is a complete tool. He saved the green skins and the blue skins. Yeah, it's just like that, isn't it? It's exactly like that. It's just a complete tool throughout the entire story. Uh, Doom is really arrogant. Well, which yeah. is pretty damn cool there's no doubt that this is going to prove his undoing as he decides against destroying his enemies as the Beyonder requested and goes after the Beyonder himself I loved page 248 where Doom comes so close to saying kneel, kneel before Doom son of Jor-El well he doesn't no. really say the son of Jor-El but maybe that's who the Beyonder is he could be what the son of Jor-El yeah <laughs> so the Beyonder Superman maybe they're doing a secret Secret crossover. Secret Wars, because it's a secret crossover between Marvel and DC. They have done that before, a secret crossover. Have they? Yeah, oh god, I can't remember all the exact details. You need to look it up. It was an issue of, I think it could have been the Avengers that Roy Thomas wrote, and an issue of Justice Society or All-Star Squadron that somebody at DC wrote, and they actually coordinated with each other as writers and did an unofficial crossover that neither Marvel nor DC knew about. Cool. Which is quite cool. You need to look that up. I can't remember the exact details, but it is pretty damn good. Um, Reed is injured, and Ben says, "Say something complicated, so I know you're okay." <laughs> which was funny. Come on, that was amusing. Uh, whilst the earthquakes happen, which is an episode of The Incredible Hulk, Colossus sees Zarge injured. Did you know that Johnny couldn't give a stuff? I did. Yeah. Did you notice that? Like, so Johnny's Johnny's on a. A holiday romance. He yeah. doesn't care about this this chippy. And that's at the bottom of the Because that's actually what he calls it, a chippy. What's a chippy? Other than a place that we go to buy fish know, and chips. I don't know, but I read it in an Inspector Calls today. Did you? Yeah. Is it just a slang term for a woman then? I think so, yeah. If it's in an Inspector Calls, I presume it's an old slang term mm. for a woman. So why would Johnny be using it? Because mm. okay, Jim Shooter's writing that character. Yeah, okay. I mean, I at the bottom of page 250. Colossus looks a tad goofy, though. He looks like Elvis! <laughs> a little less conversation, a little more action. Uh, I love Cap on page 255. Uh, he takes Magneto's side, pointing out that he stopped himself from taking Doctor Doom's offer at the last minute. Mm. Firstly, I love the ambiguity of this. That would Magneto have really taken Doom's offer and wither mankind if he had? Or does his loyalty to Xavier mean he, he really is trying to change? The story in a rare example of subtlety, doesn't answer this question, and rightly so. Also, Cap sees that Magneto stops himself and is willing to give benefit of the doubt. Stick that where the sun don't shine, Wolverine. Uh, Page 256. What the hell's a supranormal? Is it just like metahuman in the DC universe? Is it just a slang word for somebody who has superpowers or powers and abilities beyond those of mortal men? Maybe. You think? Mm-hmm. I don't recall it seeing supra-normal before. Um, I mean, it's hyphenated here, but it could just be hyphenated because of where it's positioned. I prefer meta-human. Yeah. If, but that may be just, what's it? Because I'm familiar with meta-human. Cap's line, some of my best friends are people, is pretty cool. Whereas uh, where Wolverine does his, his sycophantic apology mm. to Captain America where he says, you're a better man than I gave you credit for, but we're both soldiers. Blah, 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 blah. And Cap's just some of my best friends of people. That reminded me of Reed last week when Iron Man took his armour off and it wasn't Tony Stark, so he wasn't yeah. a white guy. And Reed just didn't care. Yeah. I love that. 
Because I'm like, like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what colour you are. I don't care what religion you are. I really don't care. It's you, not important. You're very down in diversity. You're not fond of most people. Yes, I just don't. I don't like everybody. <laughs> I just hate everybody equally. Yeah. <laughs> no, not more diverse than me. Uh, I really dug this issue. All told, Doom's dialogue is over the top pretension as usual. But if you read it like Terence Stamp playing General Zod, the lines work. Yeah. If you read it like that with that kind of arrogance. I am Doom. Yeah, that Terrence Stamp would have made a good Doctor Doom. Uh, Doom's supremely confident in his own abilities and his arrogance is normally what leads to his downfall. That being said, the only other character to have the balls to take on the Beyonder here is probably Magneto, and his refusal to be anybody's lesser ultimately leads to victory. Where this leaves the heroes is anybody's guess at this point. The art really sells the surrealistic scenes where the Beyonder dissects Doom, tearing strips off his memory and his body, and Shooter's narration for the play complements this quite nicely. So when he's on his A game, it's quite good. I'm surprised you didn't point out the splash on page 261 of Doom in a new costume and say new action figure. Because that was an action figure. Was it? Yes. The big one? Yes. Has he made a big action figure? No, they didn't make a big action Like they've done with MODOK. Yeah. Where he's bigger than all the other action figures. That, that, that was pretty the good. Assemble one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was pretty damn good. Are you enjoying this with only two issues uh, left? It's alright. It's, it's oh, there we go, we got it, it's well, alright. Because I don't want to say it's bad because there were enjoyable moments. So you're not even well, enjoying it on a popcorn summer blockbuster Independence Day level? No. I'd like to say it's like the Expendables, but it's not even that bad. It's not even that bad? Yeah. Or it's not even that good? No, it's not even that... It's, I think this is better than the Expendables, but it's on the same yeah, for level. Yeah, for a film called The Expendables, there were surprisingly few Expendable characters. But it was on that kind of level of silliness. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Right, we're going to take a short break and plug a brand new podcast. Brand new. Brand new. Joe Anthrax, a.k.a. Sean Engel. Mm-hmm. Uh, is doing a Guy Gardner podcast. Okay. And we're plugging it, because we like him. Okay. We'll be right back after this message. And Guy Gardner is a douche. Especially Guy Gardner, who was being a bit of a douchebag, but uh, he wasn't really listening. That's Guy's thing. (laughs) Yeah, but... That's his other superpower. (laughs) Speaking of Guy Gardner, page 19, I resent the brain damage comment. He was just a character I found extremely grating. Wow, the internet seems to be filled with people who really can't stand the character of Guy Gardner. I mean, to some extent they have a point. I mean, they'd read the character like I have, his adventures with the cores, his solo comic run, whatever. Maybe they'd have a little more appreciation for him. I mean, there needs to be more guy love on the internet. Um, maybe not that kind of guy love. Regardless, there still has to be a way that a middle-aged man like myself with a love of comic books should be able to present a defense for an underrated character. If you build it, they will come. What was that? If you build it, they will come. Okay, strange disembodied voice. That's a great idea, but I really don't see how building a baseball field and a little bit cornfield will help with matters. I mean, I think there aren't any cornfields near here, especially once they're the owner let me build a baseball field in. Plus, Guy was more of a football player and... No, no, no. <sighs> Look, no speaks metaphorically. What I meant by Bill was... Oh, maybe make a podcast about it? Well, that's an even better idea, and it's a lot easier, given my farming and athletic abilities. 
I could recount all the appearances of Guy in comics. I could focus on his solo run. I could give detailed plans of his bar and hold on, hold on, hold on, champ, champ. You really want people to actually listen to the podcast, don't you? Well, yeah. So why not start with the 1990s Green Lantern and continue on to the Reaper? Well, that's an even better idea. I could cover the Guy Gardner solo series along the way, and also put up for a defense my second favorite GL, Kyle Rayner. Plus, really, these are the two Earth-based Green Lanterns. For whatever reason, they're really overlooked in the mass media. Plus, I've got a nearly complete runs of both series. Wow! Thanks, strange disembodied voice. No problem. Now, let's go kill President Nixon. Um, you do know that Nixon has been dead for well over a decade. Well, how about some brownies? Mmm, that sounds great. I love some good brownies, especially the one with the chocolate frosting on top. Or have you ever had blondies? Those are even better. I had one of those at church. Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, is a weekly internet radio show covering the Green Lantern comics, starting with Green Lantern number 1 in 1990 and ending with Green Lantern number 181 in 2004. During the run, I will be placing a special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, my two favorite and the most underappreciated members of the Green Lantern Corps. Along the way, I'll be covering the Guy Gardner comic run, some Green Lantern annuals, and whatever else takes my interest at the time. Come listen along with me, Sean Ingle, as I make the case for the Green Lanterns who deserve a better reputation at justoneofthegues.lipson.com. And we're back! Oh, did you want to do that this week? Yeah, that's fine. You, you, good? I think I did a pretty good line you reading. You handled that. it nicely. I thought so, yeah. So there's no need to do a take two, is there? Oh, no. First take's always the best. Right. I learned that from David wow. Tennant. Uh, issue 11. Nathan Fillion. Oh, Nathan Fillion. No takes yeah. ever the same. Oh, the Nerdist podcast. I've just discovered it, which is probably old news to everyone else, which is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Very good interview with David Tennant. On okay. That. Very good interview with Simon Pegg. Okay. Not listened to the one with Stan Lee yet. Okay. But anyway, just giving that. I don't know why I'm giving somebody else a plug. <laughs> as far as I know, they don't plug us. They know this podcast today. Yes. Uh, issue 11 came out on the US, on the US, in the US, on November 27th, 1984. And boasted a cover by Mike Zeck of Team Hero stirring slack jawed into the eyes of the newly reformed Doom, who we don't see as he's got his back to us. It's interesting in that it's sent to the last panel of last issue, but also leads straight into page one of the story. I always like it when they do that. Here in the UK, Secret Wars... And Zoids. Oh, can't forget Zoids. 24, 25 and 26 housed this story. Issue 24 came out the 14th of December 1985, recolored the background of the US cover and dropped the human torch but added a speech balloon. Issue 25, cover dated December 21st 1985, had a really god-awful Zoids-related cover with two portholes on showing the other stories in the issue. Uh, this particular issue is quite notable for having an all-new UK-only Spider-Man story by Jim Shooter, Barry Kitson and Mark Farmer featuring Shooter and Spider-Man appearing on UK TV's kids show Wide Awake Club fighting Super Scrolls Okay. That was a run-on sentence, wasn't it? Issue 26 uses the US cover for issue 12 and is dated the 20... the 28th of December 1985 and plays silly buggers with it. They stick the last page of issue 11 as the background but take the Doom figure off from the US cover and plop it over the top. Doom is wishing us all a happy Christmas and snow bedecks the logo. Very odd. Okay. Very strange indeed. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Having looked at the cover to issue 12, they take the background for the end of issue 11. Which is an explosion. Which is the hero's explosion. Put it behind that cover. That 
figure of doom that is the cover of the US issue 12. Okay. So why they did that? Did they put a Christmas hat on him? No, they didn't put. He, he is saying Merry Christmas, everybody. Right. But they didn't put a Christmas hat on him. Well, that's just not good enough. It's, it's just not Christmas. It's not good enough, no. Entitled Dust, oh, go on. We all know that Christmas is to celebrate the birthday of uh, Doctor Doom. <laughs> well, Doom would say so, wouldn't he? Well. Uh, L-titled and Dust to Dust. The series credits read the same as last time, except Nelson Yomtov is the colourist. <laughs> Christy Shield obviously taking the month off. What's wrong with the name yet, Nelson Yomtov? <laughs> it sounds like an Ewok song. Yomtov. <laughs> Tommy Yomtov. Jordan B. Garfinkel! We've not mentioned John B. Garfinkel for a while. Have we not? No, and we like that now. He had his DC books, doesn't he? So he didn't do Marvel. Um, the story is as follows Doom is victorious. Victor Victorious? Victor Victorious is secret. Sorry, <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, anyway, his first act as supreme ruler of the galaxy is to make himself handsome. You're so vain, you probably think this podcast is about you. Doom is telling Team Hero that he won't destroy them, but Team Bad Guy is still milling around off the destruction of Doom Base. Witness this conversation and think Doom is selling them out. Molecule Man zooms over, dispatches the heroes with a flick of his wrist and confronts Doom. Doom in turn shows the Molecule Man the sheer extent of his power and removes the mental block that meant Molecule Man couldn't control organic molecules and, with the Molecule Man realising the extent of his abilities, control over all molecules, Doom leaves MM in charge of Team Bad Guy. Team Hero quickly recover from this slight mishap and regroup, as do Team Bad Guy. In a section of Colorado that was swiped by the Beyonder, the Absorbing Man whines that he just wants to go home, and thus Molecule Man makes it so. Using his mastery over all molecules, he creates a bubble of air over the town and whisks it into space. I'm hoping he's got the galactic equivalent of a sat now so he knows which direction he's going. Space is pretty big if he takes a wrong turn at Polaris. Watching from afar, and after deciding there's bugger all he can do about it, Cap orders everyone to bed. This being a Marvel book means that this is an excuse for lots of introspection. Colossus moons over Zarge, again, and takes off in a landcraft to be with her. Spider-Woman frets about Starship Colorado, and the Hulk gets zapped by a glowing light Star Trek thing, trademark, copyright, all rights reserved. He bumps into Spider-Woman, who thinks he's sleepwalking, and he swats her like a fly before the glowy light Star Trek thing, copyright, trademark, all rights reserved, transfers from his body to hers. She steals down to the lab where she nears close to Claw, still dissected on the operating table. Suddenly a blinding light causes her to scream and she wakes everybody up by the looks of things. They all rush to see Captain Marvel restored to normal and an absence of Claw. Spider-Woman says Doom was here and he's vandalised a wall, summoning them to the Tower of Doom. Two things. Firstly, I ain't going anywhere near something called the Tower of Doom. That's as dumb as attacking something called a Death Star or following some little goblin things to Mount Doom. Second, all this new accumulated knowledge and Doom can't use a telephone? I mean, graffitiing a wall? Really? And it's not like it's even cool arty graffiti. I'm very, very disappointed with Doom's graffiti abilities. Anyway, Spider-Woman complains of a buzzing in her head. This is important. Okay. Turns out, Doom has made a new tower block called the Tower of Doom, called the Tower of Doom, replete with central heating, Wi-Fi, and apparently no doors. All windows. All windows. No matter. He orders Claw, now given his body back, to watch over him so he doesn't fall asleep. He just needs to contain the power for a while. 
Colossus, meanwhile, goes to Zaji's home, bursting and rapes her. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He tries to be all sweet, but it all sounds a bit creepy. Wolverine knows this for what it is, but he's been around the block a bit, and he tells Nightcrawler as much as they gather to head to the Tower of Doom. Doom says that he is a benevolent ruler, and bangs on about his own omnipotence and non-being his equal, like a petulant squire of Gothos. He brings Kang back to life, then sends him home, and has even helped Galactus. He now wishes to do some good for the heroes. They ponder what to ask for, but Reed says he can get them home, so they don't need any of that. So Cap says they don't want anything. Doom says, leave, and warns them that if they return, he will end them. He's immediately proved to be all bluster when Cap returns seconds later to find Spider-Woman who has disappeared, and he doesn't blast him to atoms. He sends Claw after Spider-Woman, and the funny glowy light starter thing, copyright, trademark, all rights reserved, jumps from Spider-Woman to Claw. Spider-Woman and Cap leave, and she says that the buzzing headache has abated. This is important. Okay. Team Hero leave, and Cap says to summon everyone to a meeting. Ooh, a meeting. I hope they're more interested than our work meetings. God, they're boring. Colossus is making out with Sarge when he receives the summons, and they all hold a meeting where Cap voices concern that no man should have that much power, and for all his vaunted words about transcending humanity, the first thing Doom did was fueled by vanity. All agree, and Doom annihilates them all. The end. <laughs> that's, that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah. That's the end of the story. Did you like the penultimate issue of Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, young Michael? I thought this was even sillier. <laughs> you thought this was silly? In what way did you think this Star Trek rip? I mean, <clears throat> this issue was silly. I have a big tower now. Come over to my tower. Don't come back again, though. Well, they you are... You can play with these toys, but only once. They are, they are playing with the idea that Doom hasn't really changed. Yeah. He may be omnipotent, but he's still a megalomaniacal fool. With a lust for power. Is he not content with his power now? He's stronger. No, because somebody like Doom will never be content. That's no. the whole point, yeah. The more they get, the more they want. These are these are these are like these are like these D-list celebrities like Paris Hilton and anyone from Big Brother, who once they've got this fame and fortune, they're not happy that they've made a bit of money out of it. They want more. They want more, mm. and they want more, and they just keep whoring themselves out long past the fifteen minutes he's up, and Doom's just like that. Fair enough. Only not on Big Brother. Yeah. It would be funny if Doom was on Big Brother. <laughs> Doom is in the diary room. Doom does not want to do your petty task. The other housemates are beneath Doom. Who has eaten Doom's Captain Crunch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God. It would be worth it just to watch him annihilate everybody, wouldn't it? <laughs> He'd win by default, <laughs> yeah. Just kill everyone in the house. Oh, my God, Doom. Die, wench! Doom cannot tolerate your prattling <laughs> no further. Hey, why don't you leave her alone? Oh, definitely blast him as well. Anyway, what did you think about the issue at hand rather than putting Doom in the Big Brother house? 11.15am. <laughs> Doom is in the diary room. <laughs> well, I just couldn't handle them all anymore. <laughs> Doom executed every lesser being in the house. Doom has done the world a favour. Doom has raised the IQ points of the planet. Send in the next volunteers. <laughs> Doom wishes to kill. <laughs> Carry on. Page two hundred and sixty-seven, panel two and three. <laughs> yeah, someday we'll make a roller coaster in the. No, he doesn't say I. Doom will make a roller coaster in the back garden of the Big Brother house, and Doom will escape this paltry house and, and execute every last fucking one of you. 
and it will send them up and down and up and down. And <laughs> Doom will not go in the sauna bath. Doom will not partake of your petty tasks. What do you mean, Doom was brought entertainment to your TV sets? <laughs> oh, go on. To page 267, panel 2 and 3. Which is page 4 of the issue. Mm. So Owen tipped the heroes over into the water. Because the art didn't make much sense. just looks like he's tipping over a rock. Um, do they go in the water? That's no, because so. no, there is no water. Is that not all water? No, that's land. So he just tips over a bit of rock? No, he lifts up a huge part of the planet that they're on. Yeah. And just swats it away. Right. So, like, like curling up a page. Say all of the heroes are on that corner of the page there. Yeah. He does that. Because I just thought... I thought he was... The art made me think that he was tipping a bit... Well, that's more the colouring than right. the art, to be fair. The colouring is blue. Mm. So you would be forgiven for Maybe thinking it's water. Maybe all the heroes over here... And yeah, all going... <laughs> some speed lines. I'm falling to my death! <laughs> yeah. Save me some people who fly, but apparently never use it. <laughs> Uh, page 269, panel 2. Star 69! Well, yeah, we could go to my place, Owie. You know, for coffee. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty obvious that those two are, are making the molecule man with two backs at this point. <laughs> uh, the more the molecules, the merrier. Yeah. Uh, page 277, panel 1. What's happening on page 277? The Tower of Doom. The Tower of of doom. That doesn't at all sound intimidating or, you know, like a trap. Well, the fact that it has no doors or windows says bugger off, doesn't well, it? Well, it does look a lot like a piece of modern art. <laughs> well, maybe Doom's just being pretentious. Or, or maybe he's going through his art phase where, now Doom has these ultimate powers, I see the world in a different form. <laughs> now I know what Picasso was looking at. He's become Damien Hurst, yeah. hasn't he? Doom will now cut the sheep in half. <laughs> And put it in formaldehyde for the world to marvel at Doom's artistic mastery. For science! <laughs> Tell Doom you like his art! Well, I think it could do a... <laughs> Your criticism means not to Doom. <laughs> I'm above the... <laughs> I'm above the artistic cognoscenti. Yeah. Page 279. Just wait till Kitty finds out about all this. Well, we'll be going into that in a bit as well. Ah, OK, then. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she'd be quite annoyed. Quite annoyed, yes. What do you mean? You went off and fell in love with another woman. You made out with her on a hill. Page 284, panel 4. All he has to do, really, to freeze mum is just pull us another Spider-Man. I don't think he wants to pull off Spider-Man. <laughs> Doom has no interest in pulling off Spider-Man. Oh, you mean a, a brand new one more day yeah, yeah, shtick? Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, well, what did I think of this issue, Michael? What did you think of this issue? I don't know, maybe you should read my notes and pretend that you're me. <laughs> the top panel of page 265. No, you're not as pretentious as I am. Uh, the top panel of page 265, second page in the issue for those that are reading singles. Individual issues, sorry, I hate calling them singles. Why? I've just committed one of my own faux pas. Why? I, and floppies. But I hate people who call them floppies. They're comics, you ass! Well, my art teacher said they were a throwaway uh, medium. medium. No, I don't mind that. They're all throwaway mediums. Films are throwaway mediums. Television's a throwaway medium. All right, then. Pulp dime novels are throwaway mediums. Don't make them not good. Well, when I ask her the question of, yeah, but why is Amazing Fantasy 15 so expensive? Because they're a throwaway medium. She's and probably right. Okay. Kids bought comics throughaway. That's why Amazing Fantasy's worth so much money. 
if everybody had kept them, yeah. it wouldn't be worth as much money, would it? Anyway, page 265. If I go and throw away some Rob Liffield issue, it would become more... Uh, no, I think you'll just get knighted <laughs> yeah. for that. Uh, no, no, I don't approve of the, the destruction of art, whether I like that art or not. Uh, so many speech balloons mm. on that first panel. It's like a Bendis comic. Yeah, and no, no it is. actually something to read. There's more speech balloons in that panel. There is an entire Bendis comic. Ultimate Spidey 13. Well, maybe that one. Yeah, but isn't that a lot of uh, and ers and ums and repeated <laughs> bits? Yeah. Love hate relationship with Mr. Bendis. Uh, never confusing to read, though. No. was the point that I was trying to make before you took me on a, a tangent. Which sometimes they are when they do the double-page spreads and they're all over the place. Yeah, and it's quite hard to read it. Uh, Spider-Man's pawning of Titania a few issues ago has really crushed her confidence on the, the third page of this issue. Um, and yet, because she's a bully, I've got no sympathy for her. Mm. Odd that, isn't it? Well, because she's in Secret Wars, I've got no sympathy for her. <laughs> Uh, speaking of bullies, Molecule Man taking charge of Team Bad Guy must really piss off Piledriver, yeah. given that Piledriver was picking on him a couple of issues ago. Uh, page 269 has Iron Man carrying Reed, who's turned himself into a rucksack, and all of Team Heroes are gathered in his body. <laughs> I love it when Reed does stuff like that, yeah. with his powers. Isn't that on The Incredibles? Uh, yes, but this was... Before. This cheated by being before The Incredibles. Jesus, it's like a time machine. It's clever, that, isn't it? Ripping something off but doing it before they do it. Yeah. Very impressive. Um, the Hulk... If only, the Oasis, if only Oasis had heard about this. Yes, if only Oasis had ripped off The Beatles before The Beatles did it. Yeah. And Slade. And The Jam. And everyone else that The Beatles ripped off. Stevie Wonder. You mean they all went blind? <laughs> oh, no. The Hulk is getting more and more out of control. A plot development, I'm sure gets followed up in his own book mm. but I've only read the issue following Secret Wars of the Hulk's own book so I can't comment on that 11 issues in and it is confirmed that yes Titania and Volcana were in the part of Colorado that was swiped by the Beyonder Volcana even has an apartment so it took uh, this many issues to explain that did it yes it to confirm that, I mean, that couldn't have just said, "Oh yeah, I was from Denver." That came over. Here. Yeah, I mean, I, I assumed that once Spider Woman showed up and mentioned that she was from Denver, yeah. Colorado. But it has actually confirmed it because her apartment's in this little block that they took away. Uh, I do love that the Molecule Man takes the portion of Colorado back home. Yeah. Sure, the science is probably a bit dubious, but it's a cool visual. The entire town or whatever it is, just rising into the earth and flying off. It's pretty damn brilliant. Mm. I really enjoyed that. Um, Colossus takes off to see Zaj, a girl who's shown no interest in him, barely spoken to him, and probably doesn't know he's alive. This is quite possibly the worst case of Florence Nightingale syndrome since Miramani fell for Key Rock. Who and what? The Paradise Syndrome. It's an episode of oh, Star Trek. Oh, right, okay. Where Kirk doesn't know who he is, and he okay. lands on a slightly primitive culture of Native American Indians on another planet parallel development don't you know okay. and because of his superior intellect he's able to show them stuff like fire and the wheel <laughs> a bit more advanced than that but you get my idea and he instantly becomes the, the head of the camp Kirok uh, okay that's, it's a good episode the Paradise Syndrome okay. it's got a lovely musical which, which, score which is the Alice in Wonderland one that's Shore Leave uh, which is a cracking episode is it yeah really yes <laughs> I thought, I thought you were uh, no it's one of the me on best ones surely Eve. but we're not a Star Trek podcast no but, but I sometimes get interested even when we're recording watch them 
You'd watch all the original Star Trek at least five times, because I have. Sarge is asleep in bed when Colossus appears at her bedside, all in darkness. It's romantic, isn't it? No, it's not. It's bloody creepy is what it is. Uh, The next time we see them, they're making out under a tree and Colossus isn't worrying much. He's very James T. Kirk, isn't he? Yeah. Not only is he falling for the... this? I can turn hard. Yeah, if (laughs) if Kirk was a bit whiny and a bit of a stalker. Um, Wolverine on page 279 says this all seems a standard part of a patient cure. What's a mac on her patience? And why didn't we see this after she fixed the wasp? Yeah. If that's part of it, a bit of lesbianism <laughs> in your Secret Wars comics. Hey, I'll enjoy it more. Yeah, page 281. Doom misquotes Hamlet. Misquotes? He does, he misquotes Hamlet. The actual quote is, Oh God, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Whereas what Doom actually says is, As you comprehend death, Captain America, but there is more to life and death than in your philosophy. So he kind of misquotes Shakespeare. I don't know if that's Shooter intentionally showing that Doom isn't as smart as he thinks he is. Maybe. Or if he's just altering the quote. Or maybe Shooter just messed up again. Maybe he did. I loved stuff like this when I was a kid. When I was 14 or so, I was told at school by my English teacher that I was really well read. I didn't have the heart to tell her that a lot of it was just watching Star Trek and reading comics. Um, I do think this is something in seriousness that pop culture's lost. A lot of writers today are just influenced by other comics and TV shows, whereas comic writers back in the day were influenced by books and plays, giving their work a depth that some work lacks. Also, it rubbed off on us as readers and gave us an interest in other stuff. Mm. I read Ray Bradbury and Heinlein because they were an influence on Star Trek. I've read Elmore Leonard and Raymond Chandler because of TV detective shows. And I read John Wyndham because it influenced a lot of Doctor Who. Okay. So, in that way, it was quite a good thing. Well, I've picked up on stuff through reading the Ed Brubach and Sean Phillips stuff. Yeah, the crime fiction stuff. Yeah. And what are the things at the back? Yeah. You like this, this issue of... Fatal. You've seen it, haven't you? They've yeah, got an article on HP Lovecraft, yeah. Well, someone in my English today was reading the Necromonicon. Was he? You should have took Fatal, eh? It dawns on me that all the heroes are here and Kang is now at home and all of Team Bad Guy are going home. You think Daredevil can handle all these bad guys by himself, <laughs> seeing as he seems to be the only one who didn't go to the Secret Wars? Well, him, uh, and, him and Luke Cage. I am blind. <laughs> Luke Cage could probably handle a few of them, couldn't he? Page 281. Doom offers the heroes anything anything at all a nightcrawler asks him to find Lockheed not cure earth of all diseases and famine and usher in a new age of posterity and joy no find Lockheed way to think big nightcrawler he'll come important when he has his own series I wonder whatever happened to to Lockheed Um, Colossus continues to be bloody useless yeah. Uh, I mean, what has he done, really? He's been injured. He's mooned over Zarge. He's been beaten up. He's mooned over Zarge. He's slept a bit. He's mooned over Zarge. They should have brought Luke Cage. I think he's just there because he's with the X-Men. Yeah, he just happened to be with them. Um, Doom has furnished his room with Oedipal pictures of his mum. And he has a nice chat with Cap, but he doesn't offer him a cup of tea. Oh, no. How uncivilised. Mm. Well, at the very least, I would think he would offer him a cup of tea. Uh, page 286, Cap and Reed point out that Doom, despite transcending humanity, fixed his face first. I feel dead smart. Because okay. I noticed when I was reading this, the first thing Doom with his omnipotent powers would make himself look George Clooney 20 pages before the heroes did. Of course, I'm privy to information well, that they're not privy I've, to. I've guessed the outcome of episodes of Doctor Who before it happens. Well, these aliens are only appear in forests, but we're in a library. And what's paper made out of? Oh. 
Uh, Storm's also been a pompous ass in the story. Once again, she vocally disagrees with Xavier, even though she does actually agree with him, and she talks about herself in the third person. Mm. What a... T- oh, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I've written a naughty word. I've done a bad. Uh, I'm not the biggest expert fan of the world, but I think Shooter has mischaracterised all of them in this story. Mm. Uh, absolutely hated... Hated with a fiery passion on page 288, the foreshadowing, where Cap says, if we decide to confront Doom, we may be annihilated by a bolt from the blue, and then two panels later, what happens? By a bolt from the blue. Yes. There's foreshadowing, and there's hanging a large neon sign on something, screaming, look at me! Like some kind of deranged, attention-seeking Louis Spence. This would have been much better, and far funnier as an ending. If it had just happened, yeah. if it just said, right, okay, we fight, boom. <laughs> I mean, it's still a pretty damn good cliffhanger. Well, yeah. But that would have been funnier if they hadn't foreshadowed it. A Louis Spence explosion. A Louis Spence Wait, no, explosion. Else. Yes, completely. I did like the bit where um, you said, well, Storm speaks for herself, but I say the X-Men fight. <laughs> yeah, well, she's just disagreeing for the sake of disagreeing, isn't she? Mm. She's a pain. And finally, the end is near. Yes! Uh, issue 12 came out in the United States on the 25th of December 1984. Do you think that's true? Do you think it really came out on Christmas Day? Oh, yeah. You reckon? Probably not. Do you shops open on Christmas Day in America? I don't know, do I don't think so. Don't think Surely they don't. Uh, the cover. our American friends. I will do. The cover is by a Mike Zek of Doom being all, ha ha, I won, with dead heroes behind him. Sure he's not being all, Merry Christmas. Yeah, well, in the British one he was. Uh, it's very pink. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. It's got a pink ink in its thing. Uh, in the UK, we've already used this cover, so we had to generate five new ones. Yes, five issues this was spread out over here in the UK. Cover dated between the 4th of January 1986 and the 1st of February 1987. Issue 27 repurposed John Byrne's cover for Fantastic Four 258 of Doom's gauntlet ripping the cover off, revealing the first page beneath it. Also, this issue no longer features Zoids. Issue Yay. 28 was a new cover showing Clark as a fool, clown, jester, saviour. Isn't a clown and a jester the same thing? I thought they were, actually. Yeah. Um, issue 29 also had a new cover, this time of Ultron firing repulsor rays at the Hulk. And issue 30 has another all-new cover of Doom, surrounded by lightning with Claw's disembodied head hovering around as both attack Captain America, who's hankering down behind his broken shield. Finally, issue 31 has another repurposed burn image of the Thing in silhouette, with Avengers heads behind him, the ones that used to be in the corner boxes of the US editions at the time. Some of the heads are by Burns, some are by Paul Smith, some are by Dave Cochran. If you're not in the UK and didn't buy the UK editions or are far too young, in which case a pox on you, all the UK covers are on spiderfan.org for you to check out. Okay. Heartily encourage you to do so. Entitled Nothing to Fear, the final issue is by Shooter, Zek, Beat It, Rosen, Shield, and DeFalco. The heroes lie dead. Little left that they had ever even existed, except shards of Captain America's shields as the fortress they resided in burns. Far away in Doom's new superstructure, Doom himself reigns in his immense power. His adversaries are dead, finally dead. Claw asks if he's sure, and Doom replies, yes, they must be. 
In space, Starship Colorado heads for home, powered by the Molecule Man. The Entrantress, forever scheming, draws a bath. The Molecule Man, having restored power to the flat, and converses with a water elemental of her own creation. The elemental tells her that Doom has been victorious, destroyed his enemies, and is now plotting to rescue his mother from Mephisto's realm. She also says that the Beyonder is weakened, but not defeated, and waits, biding his time. Whilst the villains argue amongst themselves, Doc Ock simply cannot accept Molecule Man's simple rewriting of the laws of physics, the Enchantress takes Volcana to take back the debt she's owed from issue 7. She plans on draining her life force to give the power to reach Asgard and warn them of Doom's plans, plans that may call for the invasion of Asgard itself. However, the Lizard informs the Molecule Man and together they attempt to stop the Enchantress. To escape, the Enchantress teleports back to the patchwork planet, taking the lizard with her. He lashes out at the Enchantress's face, scarring her, and she kills him, using his life force to try to reach Asgard. Meanwhile, Claw tells Doom a story. A story of how Zarj may have been able to revive Colossus due to his armoured skin. How she gave her life to save him. How Colossus was able to move Mr. Fantastic to a healing chamber, as he too was not as damaged as the others due to the elasticity of his form. How once resurrected, Reed was able to resurrect all the heroes with this marvellous alien technology, and how Doom may have wanted it that way. Doom wanted them to still be alive. Doom dismisses Claw's prattling, just as the Hammer of Thor sails through the Tower of Doom. With Doom losing control with every passing second, he gives Claw a merest fraction of his power and tells him to kill the heroes a lot. Claw creates a solid army to stop Team Hero, but of course they don't. Perhaps Claw even wanted it that way. Cap makes it all the way to Doom and Doom blasts him to atoms. Cap gets back up again and Doom blasts him to atoms again. Cap gets back up and punches Doom out, but this actually means Doom starts to lose control. Claw glows and merges with the power emanating from Doom as the Beyonder reclaims his power. Doom and Claw disappear. Team Hero buries Zarge and Colossus mourns her passing. Spider-Man looks for food and a TV and the lizard and a human guise of Kurt Connors just show up as does Lockheed the dragon and his new girlfriend. This is very convenient, but Reed explains it's because the planet is charged with residual energy that responds to force of will. So, not convenient at all. Cap uses this energy to fix his shield. Later, Reed has made the super duper get me home bot version 4.0 and beams all of Team Hero back to Earth. However, while sending the X-Men, Lockheed's girlfriend swoops in at the last minute causing a power fluctuation that may affect where they land. The Thing decides to stay here where he can control his power and She-Hulk takes his place in the Fantastic Four. Leaving Ben alone, the FF beam home. Ah, what did you think of the final issue of Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars, young Michael? Well, would it not have been easier and quicker to wait for the Beyonder or Reed Richards, in this case, to put Denver back to normal. Well, Reed says he can get all the people back home, but, but he doesn't. Still be a chunk of Denver. Yes, missing. but there'd still be a chunk of Denver missing. Doesn't that's a very good does part? Does the Beyonder not put all these planets back together? What, like Humpty Dumpty? Or does he just leave the pla- patchwork planet as it is? If memory serves, at the end of the thing, when Ben goes back home, the planet blows up. But I don't okay. recall if the Beyonder sends everyone back home. So, uh, if it wasn't for Molecule Man, all of Denver would have blown yes, up. Yes, Denver would have blown up. Yes. Uh, Alright then. Um, at page 297.1, Xavier's black. Is he? I just thought that was funny, to be honest. See, look at him there. He's, he's... Oh yeah, it's a colour in error. 
<laughs> so, uh, yes. first Perry White, and now Professor X. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's quite funny, I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> uh, page 298, panel 5. Yes. The Beyonders hiding in Claw, wasn't it? That's That was the, the funny headache thing in the previous issue. I told you that was important. Well, yeah. Mm. A page 304, panel 4. Yes. So all the heroes are dead, yes. and now is Lizard. Yes. But, you know, we all know that their deaths will last. They'll last about another four pages, yeah. Well, I, I did write these notes whilst I was reading the issue. That's fair enough. I, I hadn't known what was coming later. That's fair enough. Um, page 312. Yes. So all the heroes... Did all the heroes actually come back alive? Or did Claw, or was Claw messing with Doom, or... Are they actually not real? Are they real? Did um, Claw have any importance in this? My interpretation of Because this. this issue confused me. It seemed like a silly rushed ending. Yes. Well, it's um, the, the, the thingy that... Page 309. That makes it real. Yeah. What kept it so when page 309 is an exceptionally good splash page of, of Thor's hammer shattering the Tower of Doom, destroying half Doom Tower. But I, I'm not sure I bought Claw's story. Mm. It's much easier to buy that Claw, imbued with the Beyonder's life essence, is manipulating Doom into resurrecting the heroes. Yeah. Do you not think that's what happened? I think it could be. I because th- Doom himself says that just by thinking about them being alive, he can make it so so powerful. Is he now? That's why he can't sleep. Yeah, of, of course. If that were true, Zarge wouldn't be dead unless Claw's story was what Doom made come true, what's and all. My, I personally think that Claw manipulates him into thinking: Are they dead? Sure, they must be dead. Yeah. But what if they're not dead? And by thinking that, he brings them back to life. Yeah, that was my interpretation of it. Yours may differ. So, but if all the monsters Claw created were created by Claw, and that means they're just light, so why are they solid as well? Uh, doesn't he say that with this extra power that he's given, he can make solid objects? So he can make light solid? Yeah. So he okay. can make solid creatures. He does point that out, I think. But, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm also confused at the Captain America part. After Doom killed Captain America, does Claw keep recreating him or something? Yes. Right. Because there's quite obviously a panel on page 320 where Claw... But is Captain America not a bit freaked out that he keeps dying and coming <laughs> that back? he keeps being blasted to atoms. Or does he know Brubacker's ultra, ultra plan? I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, once again, that is left rather ambiguous. Is mm. Captain America's will strong enough to keep bringing him back? Maybe. In this Beyonder world? But surely you wouldn't have a will if you're dead. If you're dead. They have planted the seeds that Doom didn't doesn't actually want them dead, which makes no sense mm. in and of itself. There is the possibility that Claw is the person bringing him back to life every time he dies. And I don't As mind in, ambiguity it explain it at all. in my storytelling, but yeah. On page 328, panel 1, I'm digging on Xavier's new get-up. Oh yeah, he's got a spanky new suit, hasn't he? Yeah. God, but it's yellow. <laughs> Oh, dear me. Yellow costume with a big black X on it. Fair enough. And then um, page 332, when uh, Kloss is visiting What's-A-Face's grave and cries. He sure did forget Kitty pretty quick. Well, Oh, I forgot her face and it's only issue four. And they've only been away a week. And he's forgot all about Kitty. Yeah. Going all the way back to the beginning of the issue, John Beatty is the only credited Inca on this story. 
but some of this looks like Joe Robinstein's work to me when I was reading it and uh, in fact it looks like the work of that diverse creator Many Hands uh, when I got to 316 I was so convinced that other people had taken part in this certainly that splash page on 318 of the Heroes Fighting the Monsters yeah. that's not John Beatty's work that uh, I did a little bit of research and Comic Book Legends revealed number 170 and Comic Book Resources reveals that yes Joe Rubenstein was involved so I was quite happy that I spotted that but Art Nichols did some and Art Adams did some inking as well because okay. the issue was running very late uh, for an omnipotent being Doom doesn't seem too sure that the heroes are all dead on page 295 does he? Mm. I love that all the members of Team Bad Guy are just milling around in Volcano's apartment I mean, what else can they do, really? I mean, I suppose oh. they could go and terrorise the citizens of Denver. Mm. Rob a few banks. There must be a couple of banks, though. But where would they run to? Are there any police, though, to stop them? They're all supervillains. You know, why have they not thought about that as well? If they've nicked an entire scoop of Denver, Colorado, there must be stores, though, banks, though, that they can go and rob. Yeah. And instead, they just kind of sit around doing nothing. What they do is they'd rob them and then go and give them money and stuff they stole back. And then rob and them then again. They, yeah. <laughs> Uh, page 297 we're finally given a few answers to questions that have plagued the book since its inception the beyonder fueled by curiosity wanted to know why humans desired things he selected certain members of the species some of which he sees some of which came of their own free will and grouped them based on their desires I still think he messed up with Galactus though yeah. I don't think Galactus should have been with the bad guys. Dr. Octopus points out that it's extremely unlikely that they're heading in the right direction. And even if they are, it will take them years to get home. We could have a, a spin-off here, Secret Wars Voyager. <laughs> uh, I was wondering about that myself when I was reading this. I also like that Man of Science, Dr. Octopus, simply cannot accept everything the Molecule Man can do and cracks up. Mm. He just cannot accept this flagrant abuse of the laws of physics. It's really quite well done. And yet there's a woman made of water in the bath. Well, that's a water elemental conjured up by a god of Asgard. Yeah. I don't mind that. That's perfectly plausible. Not worry much and slide Well, you don't worry anything in the bath, do you? Um, Ock will be in a mental institution the next time we see him, which is Fantastic Four number 267, cover dated June 1984, where Reed will ask him to help with complications with Sue's pregnancy. So okay. they do follow up on being a bit mad. Uh, page 314 and 315 are a double page splash that in all honesty is a bit underwhelming after 11 and a half issues of build up isn't it? Yeah. It's fine for what it is but after all we've seen in this series the surrealistic flights of fancy and the mediations on the very nature of man this entire issue just seemed very anticlimactic. Yeah. Is that a Zoid though? No, that's not a Zoid, unfortunately. Uh, the subsequent fight scenes are pretty cool, with the Hulk getting his leg broken and the Wasp destroying Ultron. Uh, page 324. I think it's safe to say that everybody realizing, reading this realised that the Beyonder is the fl funny glowing Star Trek light thing, trademark, copyright, all rights reserved, that keeps leaping from body to body. On page 327, Spider-Man wants a TV that is showing the Muppets. Was the Muppets still on the air in 1984? Probably. Or reruns. Yeah, yeah, I suppose he could get a rerun. Page 328, the question of why Thor doesn't have an organic hat are explained. Okay. So you thought Shooter messed up, though? Well, I did, to be honest well, with you. Uh, maybe you did, but someone pointed out to him. Someone said, pointed oh, it out to him, but I better fix that. Uh, Spider used the wrong machine. 
Did he go to the uh, alien zoo machine? Yeah, don't! Uh, also, these machines can apparently raise the dead, but they can't fix the Hulk's broken leg. Or bring back Zarge. That's very convenient for the plot, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm. Page 329, Kurt Connors shows up out of nowhere. No one questions this. Now, Spider-Man knows Kurt is the lizard, and maybe he just didn't want to mention it to get Kurt into any trouble, but they all accept it a bit easily. Well, I like it. There's an awful lot of that in this. past 12 issues. Well, there's an awful lot of just accepting stuff because it's the last issue, isn't there? That went on, which I didn't buy. If we just accept it, it'll go a lot quicker. We can get yeah, with good stories. We can, we can get out of this. Page 331, once again, junior scientist Peter Parker, aka Spider Man, is characterised incredibly badly. Reed presents them with his super duper get me home bot version 4.0, and Spider Man says, I don't care how it works. Spider Man, the scientist, doesn't care how Reed's little device works. Really? Really, Jim? Also, Professor X says that all Colossus's fervent wishes can't bring Zarge back, and he's fobbed off with some god-awful stupid explanation as to why. I told you she was Chandra plot device, didn't I? She just yeah. needed sweeping out the way now, didn't she? No more purpose for her. She's dead, but you resurrected the hero. Accept no, it! But Zarge is dead! But you resurrected the but hero. No, 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 Zarge is dead! It, okay. only, it only resurrects humans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reed ponders that he thinks he knows why Ben can change at will here and hopes he never finds because out. Because the Captain America fixing his shield power thingy means he wants to be Ben Grimm and not the thing, so he keeps doing it. Well, that's, yes, there is that. That is one reason. But there's all, that all, that's also a reason why Colossus and Zerge makes no sense. Captain America will his shield back together, but Colossus can't bring Zerge back to life. How convenient. Maybe they only get, like, one wish. Yeah, possibly. All told, what did you think of it, Michael? Mm. You didn't enjoy this at all, did you? Well, I don't want to say it was bad. Which it was. <laughs> I don't want to, but I will. But it wasn't too bad to be bad. Um, It was decent, but also very silly. I enjoyed reading it, and I can honestly say I was very surprised by how much of it I remembered given that I haven't read this since 1985. So I was quite surprised by how memorable it was. Yeah. What I was also surprised by was how not very good it was, despite being very memorable. Mm. So there's something to be said for it there. It's memorable, but there is an awful lot of plot-driven stuff in here that doesn't make much sense if you think too much about it. There's an awful lot of convenience. How often did the heroes and the villains just find something that was convenient for the plot. Yeah. Including Zarge. Yeah, (laughs) the convenient ramp. And it it just... It's not a patch on Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. It's nowhere near the quality of Crisis. It is a moderately enjoyable comic book in and of itself. Mm. And if you find it for cheap, I would recommend picking it up to read it. I wouldn't by an say omnibus. by the omnibus. No. I wouldn't recommend that If at you're all. a die-hard fan and this is your all-time favourite story of all time, then you've not read many comics, but... <laughs> I'd, I'd give it to a 12-year-old boy. A 12-year-old boy may enjoy it. Or maybe not the omnibus, it's far too expensive. A 12-year-old boy may enjoy it, but we're not 12 to yeah. See how it was when I first read it? Maybe that's why it was So maybe memorable. that's why it's very memorable. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Maybe you enjoyed it when you were younger. I remember thinking it wasn't as good as other stuff I was reading. 
but I do remember thinking this is alright but yeah it's very Independence Day it's bubblegum summer movie that really doesn't hold much water when you think about it anyway this episode's running really really long but we've not finished Wither The Secret Wars Wither Wither Uh, the legacy of The Secret Wars is pretty good all things considered Uh, The Thing stayed on the patchwork planet for an entire year of his own boot before returning to Earth in Thing 22 April 1985 Reed was concerned that Ben would find out that he had a mental block about changing back and forth at home due to Ben's belief that his blind girlfriend Alicia Masters only loved The Thing and not Ben and discovering this Ben didn't immediately rejoin the FF feeling betrayed after a brief appearance in Fantastic Four 277 he took off on his own for a while, returning to the Fantastic Four when his own boot was cancelled with issue 36. Which I'm sure was just a coincidence. Oh, yeah. Or my own book's been cancelled. last issue upstairs on the landing? I think so. No, I've got the last issue of Marvel team up upstairs on the landing because I've got two of them. It says The Thing and Ben Grimm. Yeah, it's the last issue of Marvel team up. Right, okay. Not the last issue of his own so boot. So Ben Grimm and The Thing teamed up? Yes, Ben Grimm from an alternate world. The X-Men, as a result of the power fluctuation, reappear in Tokyo in X-Men 181, cover dated May 1984, and the cute little dragon becomes a huge big dragon that threatens to eat Tokyo. The X-Men deal with this, and Colossus and Kitty Pride break up in X-Men 183, a lovely little Chris Claremont story called He'll Never Make Me Cry. The Hulk's broken leg lasted about half an issue in Hulk 295, cover dated May 1984, but his intelligence continues to diminish. Spider-Man's black costume is still around, but I went into detail in nauseating depth, actually, didn't I? Yeah. In the last issue, uh, last issue, the last episode. The action figures that spawned this whole thing yielded oh. two series. Series one had Captain America, Spider-Man, Doom, Magneto, Iron Man, Wolverine, Kang and Doctor Octopus, all of which came with a secret shield. Yes. Series 2 had a black costume Spider-Man, Baron Zemo, Daredevil, Falcon and the Hobgoblin, which makes for an excellent version of the Sesame Street strong. One of these things is not like the other, as only one of these figures even appeared in Secret Wars. Because of the secret shield, Captain America didn't come with a shield. Didn't know? Nope. Which was naff. extremely naff, to be honest with you. So um, that's why that Captain that's America. That's why that Captain America you've got, upstairs, got a shield, yeah. I had Captain America and I had Spider Man action figure. You've got them both now, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. I thought I lost it. No, no, no. He was a secret one figure. So you have like a badge or something you got from a birthday card and stuck it to him. Yes. Yeah. So you must have lost that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, there was a third line of action figures which was released in the rest of the world, but not in the USA due to recli- reclining, due to declining popularity. This included Iceman, Electro, and the Constrictor, who also did appearance. I wish you could see Michael's face. None of these people appeared in the comic. No. <laughs> it would have been more decent, to be honest. It's no wonder they flopped. Baron Zemo versus Doom. That would have been quite funny. Uh, www.toymania.com has an excellent article on the toys, and I urge you all to check that out if you're interested and have never seen any of them. The Beyonder returned, of course, in Secret Wars 2, a nine-issue series starting in April 1985, and I bet it took them forever to come up with that title. In addition to these nine issues, Secret Wars 2 crossed over into 32 issues from the Marvel line, the best of which was Amazing Spider-Man 268, where Peter Parker teaches the Beyonder how to pee, and Daredevil 223, where the Beyonder gives Matt Murdock his sight back for a day. 
The single best Secret Wars 2 crossover, however, was Fantastic Four 285, which was the best despite an appearance by the Beyonder, not because of it. A lovely little story called Hero, arguably the best human torch story ever written, and possibly Byrne's best issue during his run of the title, was almost ruined by Jim Shooter's insistence that this issue had to feature the Beyonder, which, according to Byrne, was going back on what he'd said when he approved the initial script. Byrne has offered to alter the original art for free to make subsequent reprints more of what he originally wanted, but Marvel have yet to take him up on it, which is a real shame, because uh, that's a fantastic issue that is really dated by having the Beyonder in it. Uh, in the UK, the Secret Wars comic continued with issue 32 and ran for a further 48 issues, printing nearly the whole damn thing, plus crossovers and other issues that featured things UK readers may have needed to know. And Secret Wars 2 is also an omnibus. Did it not come in the same omnibus? No, two different omnibuses. The Beyonder showed up one more time in FF319, where it was revealed to be a cosmic cube given life. Of course. Of course, finally, he took the form of a woman changed his name to Cosmos, with a K, and buggered off to explore the galaxy with Cubic, another cosmic cube. Mm. <laughs> Your face is... what? It's like, I'm not making this up! This isn't silly enough. This isn't silly enough. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Steve Goebel, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, has an excellent blog about the UK issues I've mentioned, along with the UK Spider-Man strips I also touched upon, at stevegoebel.blogspot.com. He also does a superlative job of accounting for all the editorial changes to Secret Wars 2, wrought upon the UK reprints, and is worth reading for that alone. Uh, I spent all afternoon reading that blog when I should okay. have been doing something else because you read it it's so it's such a wonderful nostalgia trip yeah. if you grew up reading Marvel UK comics because you're like I remember that I remember that I remember that oh I didn't know that yeah. and some of the editing choices that we had to put up with over here it, it's astonishing it's well worth checking out. The Irredeemable Shag did an excellent blog entry about Secret Wars 2 over at onceuponageek.com when the omnibus was announced because really who, who needs an omnibus of Secret Wars 2? And that wraps it up for Secret Wars. You're very happy about that, aren't you? I'm very happy. Okay. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to be doing singles, because we're going to get back to that for a couple of weeks. And then we have to do a big Michael project to keep Michael happy. But if you guess that it involves the words Grant and Morrison, you probably won't be wrong. Just for that, I'm going to change it. Excellent. Um, we, can, we can do all the new The cat stuff. has shown up once again to stick his ass in my face. So we'll call it a day, though, because this is probably the longest episode we've ever done. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production, and all opinions expressed by Michael and Andrew in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and probably not to be taken too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are copyright the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Michael and Andrew make no money for this, much to their chagrin. New episodes drop every Thursday at apleyland.podomatic.com, but you can also listen through our Facebook page, which you can friend us on by using Hey Kids as the first name and 
and Comics as the second name. You can also listen on our website where you can also view the covers of the comics we've covered this week. That's www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com If you have an opinion on our opinions, you can email us on heykidscomics at virginmedia.com We also have a forum www.forumforgeeks.com where you can drop by and say hello if you're allergic to email. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. Thank you.